do. It was 2017, and we had gone to the we had gone to the uh, wedding to participate in the wonderful wedding of Brother Tyreek and Sister Ashton Andrews, and we were going to Columbus, Indiana, where Sister Ashton is from. And I was so honored to be able to be a part, and I was going to be participating with her pastors, Bishop Mitchell and Pastor Marvin Mitchell, and uh, dear friends of mine for many years who we've loved and, and admired and have thanked God for. And they asked the question, they said, how is the building program coming along? And I had a very ready answer for them. I said, oh, it's a coming. It is a coming. And what that meant was, uh, we're trusting God that it's going to get built one day. And uh, they said, make sure that we talk before this night is over. And that night, they proceeded to give me direction on where to go and how to go and what to do. And so they proceeded over the next several months to give us a step-by-step directive on how they had built the building that the Lord had provided for them. And we were so blessed to work with one of our dear friends, Mark Menzendeck, uh, that, that blessed our church immeasurably. Do you know that at that time we had not raised any money to build a new building? That was November 2017. We launched our campaign in May of 2018. From May of 2018 till November of 2020. God has helped us to raise $2,552,000. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And, and, and 2020 was going to be a tough year. The devil meant it for evil, but the Lord has turned it for the good. And we give him the praise. Hallelujah. And we're going to, we are going to by the grace of God, launch into the actual construction of the new worship center and family fellowship center in March of 2021. And to God be the glory and, and, and for all that he has done. He is a good God. He is a mighty good God. And we give him all of the praise. And we're so thankful to the Lord for what he has done. But before I go any further, I just want to say, Sister Janice Stage, it's so good to see you. God bless you. Let's give her a great big hand clap. Unfortunately, this is her last Sunday in Cincinnati before she moves to Arizona. We've done everything in our power to keep her right here, but, but she's on her way to Tucson. We love her and want her to know that she will definitely be missed. And we'll always have a home right here in Cincinnati, Ohio. We are so thankful to have Brother and Sister Marvin Mitchell with us today. A dear friend of many years. I'd like him to come take his liberty. Would you receive him with a warm tree of life, church? Welcome. God bless you. Brother Mitchell. This is the day that the Lord hath made. He doesn't make anything on accident or by happenstance. He doesn't fall into coincidence. When he designs something, when he speaks something, when he utters something, his creative word goes forth and it must be. When he made this day, this day, that we rejoice and we are glad in, he designed it with a purpose for each and every one of us who believe upon Him to be our Savior, our Maker, our Waymaker, our Deliverer, our Keeper, and our Healer. So we can celebrate this morning in the love of Christ. For this is the day 
that the Lord hath made for you and for me. And I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. For the Lord is good and His mercy endures to all generation. If you believe that word, would you clap your hands? If you have strength in your arms, if you have breath in your lungs, give Him your best praise today, whatever that is. I rejoice in you, Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let let us go into the house of the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, this is His house. This is His day. We walk in His purpose, His provision, and toward His promise. How many of you know and you feel already this morning the hand of God upon your life? You didn't walk into this day, into this service alone. For He would never leave nor forsake you. Because He said He wouldn't. And if He spoke it, it must be true. Would you say amen if you believe that today? It is an honor to be here today. A long time coming. We've talked about this for such a long time. And, and COVID tried to keep us apart. But, but the Lord had other plans. It's amazing how that the devil tries his absolute best. The enemy tries their absolute best to divert the will of God. But it's amazing to see how God says, it was meant for evil, but I'll turn it for good. How many came into the house of the Lord today, not just to check a box, not to just get prettied up? I'm glad you did. Thank you for bathing and showering. And for those of you that put, put on perfume or cologne, I, I sincerely appreciate that. And I know your neighbor does even more. But besides putting on our Sunday best, how many are excited to see God do what he designed and purposed for this day in your life? Amen. Amen. Before we get into the word, it, it is such an honor. I looked over today, I mean, with godly pride to see Brother Tyreek and Sister Ashton, an incredible couple, anointed of God, being used of God, and you are blessed to have them here as part of your ministry team. I love you both. It's been a minute, but I'm glad to see you doing well and growing. Ah, just wait till Anissa gets a hold of you. Watch out. You've got a hug coming, and it's a rather, rather big one. But it's great to be in the house. I see familiar faces and I see unfamiliar faces, but we are a part of the family of God. So I hope you feel welcome in the family. If it's a first time or perhaps a, you're a repeat guest to here at the Tree of Life, welcome home. Look no further. You found your family. Let's go to heaven together. I hope you're my neighbor because the Lord is good. And to my friend, perhaps one of the, he would never say this, but I, I will, one of the greatest, I think, preachers of the gospel of my generation, an anointed and unique calling, your pastor is an incredible man of God, and I love him dearly. I count it a privilege and an honor to be his friend, but not just because he's a great keeper and deliverer of the word. He's one of the finest Christians I've ever met. One of the finest Christians I've ever known to walk the face of this earth. I love you dearly, sir. And I believe 
in the vision that God has given your pastor. Here's the thing. It's not your vision. It's not even his vision. The reason that this vision will be fulfilled is because it was a God-ordained vision. And when God purposes something, when He delivers something, certainly when He promises something, He will fulfill it in His way. And in His timing and by His method, He only asks that if we do everything we can do, and we honor our part of our covenant, He will step in to that covenant with a blessing, with provision, with supernatural anointing, and He will do what we never could do with our own hands. Because when we join together with the bridegroom, it's an inseparable bond, and we cannot fail, for this is a God-given vision. And there is a revival coming to this area of North Cincinnati. I believe that with everything that is in me. When we drove into this place last night, I was stirred thinking about the souls that would be saved, the lives that would be changed, the bodies healed, the marriages put back together, the families grown. And this church is just, you've seen the tip of the iceberg of what God is going to do in the next 10 years. I cannot wait to see what God does through his people. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Psalms chapter 23, verse 1. Very familiar passage of scripture. One of my favorites. The Lord has directed me here this morning to share this with you. And I hope that he opens our eyes today. I love the word of God. No matter how many times I, I devote myself to it, I read in it, I study it. I can go into a passage I've preached at out of hundreds of times. And it's amazing. It's like it's living. It's like it's anointed. It's like it's more than pages on a, on a, or words on a page or pages in a, in a book. It, it's like it, it has promise. It, it's like it has supernatural authority. It, it's almost like it comes from a different dimension. It's almost like it's not of this earth. Psalms 23. David wasn't picking daisies here, y'all. This psalm belongs to David who was struggling in a time of an evil man named Absalom. He had rebelled and ran with those that followed him, retreated with his faithful through the Kidron Valley, over the Mount of Olives, and into the plains of the wilderness of Judah. A place that was known and called by praise, but did not feel that way when he first ran into it. Yet David's confidence rests in his relationship with God. Psalms 23 and 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores. Everybody say my soul. He leads me. In the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Let me tell you today, it doesn't matter what is blocking the light in your life. He is there with you. Regardless of the insurgence of the enemy. He's right there even in the shadow. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me. What? 
right in the presence, right in the face, right in the midst of mine enemies? Why does he not remove me from the enemy before he blesses me with the table of blessing? He said, no, 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 no. What was meant for evil? I will turn for good. Do you realize your testimony is not just about you being healed, being saved, being blessed? When he gave you that testimony in the midst of the enemies, in the midst of a dark and shadowed world, he did so so that a world could see a light it would never see otherwise. There's a reason he is allowing us to be in the midst of chaos and turmoil and all the noise in this world. And yet, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he said he would raise up a standard. Right there in the midst, the table would be prepared of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, the anointing, and then my cup will run over. Surely, confidently, boldly, like it's a promise, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When I'm doing well, no. When I'm doing bad, no. When I'm close to this altar, no. When I've drifted away, no. All the days of my life, no matter where I go, no matter where I've been, no matter what I carried in here today, no matter the scars that, that are upon this body or the soul underneath this suit or your fine dress, all the days of your life, he will go with me all the days. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Put your Bibles down, anything that is holding down your hands, your phone, your iPad, any device. Go ahead and lay down a weight while you're at it and lay, lay aside everything and lift up your hands right now in this place and let a freedom of worship and availability for God. Jesus, <laughs> my God, my Lord, your word is already anointed. It's already living. It's already breathing. It's already promised and ordained. But God anoint the vessel, this one and all that are in this room today. Anoint our ears and our hearts and our minds and our hands. Saturate us with new and fresh anointing. Not the prayers of yesterday, but God, a new and fresh anointing this morning. And I pray, God, you remind, restore, and renew us in your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name. Would you say amen? I want to talk to you a few, for just a few moments, if you'll allow me, on this subject. Turn to somebody to your right, to your left, around you. Please don't spit in their face. Be kind and conscientious of their, uh, their, their, their proximity, we'll say. But, but maybe get out a big finger. Pretend you've got a big foam finger at maybe a Saturday football game. And just look at them and say, it's behind you. It's behind you. It's behind you. It's behind you. Come on, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. God is behind you. Jesus. Jesus, you may be seated. I'm going to do my best to remain standing if that's okay with you. He is the shepherd. Or as John 10 and 10 describes, the good shepherd, as the gospel revealed to us, stands upon the shoulders of our text today in the Old Testament. 
as the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. What is very distinct about our text today is that it's, it's purpose to be very, very personal. See, the covenant bond of the bridegroom for the bride, which is the church, amen, is a, is a corporate bond. It's a corporate covenant. It's something we do together. And contrary to popular belief, you've got to have a church and be a part of the bride in order to make it to heaven. This, me and Jesus have our own thing going, will not allow us to be married to the bride upon his return. And I do believe his return is imminent by signs and wonders around us that are not of him. By all the noise and chaos and confusion, the spirit of confusion, the greatest pandemic in this year is not COVID-19. It is a spirit of confusion that is inflicting our world to distract us of the very things that God has promised us. We as the church are not, we are not uh, immune to this. And we must be cautious that this is the time where we get closer to God and his church and prepare for him to do a work like he has never done before. But as much as his covenant as the bridegroom is a corporate bond, the intentionality and his desire for us as a savior is individual. Collectively, we come into his revelation as the bride together. But he saved you, not from your neighbor's sins, not from the judgment that laid upon their shoulders, upon their slate that was wiped clean in baptism, but he saved you from your sin. Look at your brother or sister say, girl, I got stuff. You got stuff. Every family's got stuff. We got to deal with our stuff if we are ever to allow God to shape and mold and save us. It is by my faith that I am saved through Jesus Christ. And so many churches in, in, in Christendom, they butcher that passage because they view it as a destination, an end point instead of a starting point. I have nothing wrong, uh, Pastor Urshan, with the sinner's prayer. And I'm going to make him really nervous for a moment. I told you I was going to mess up your church and I'm going to leave town. I don't have any issue with somebody saying, I believe Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. The issue arrives when my faith is the end of my justification and not the beginning and the declaration of God having faith in what I will become through his promise and purpose. I am beginning a journey of salvation upon my faith in him. But once I believe that he can be my savior, I have to allow him to save me. I have to allow him to forgive me. I have to allow him to baptize and bury the old man that I may become a new man and Christ Jesus. And then I am prepared as a vessel to run over. But that doesn't happen by looking around at my neighbor's sin or my brother or my sister's indiscretion. This world is rampant with judging everybody else's stuff. Could we as the church demonstrate 
to this world to be honest about who we are and who we are not. That I am a broken man. I'm an afflicted man. I'm a sinner. He said, oh God, I walked in the wrong church. The man holding the mic is imperfect. Girlfriend, this suit covers up mistakes. This smile is only there by mercy. The blessing that I walk in here today with is even close to being a whole man. It's because God put his hands on a broken man. God put his hands on a family that had things in their closet. If you came in here today and you're a guest and you look around and you say, I don't know if I'd fit in here. It looks like a bunch of people that have it all figured out. Oh, let me just testify for a moment. There is not one perfect individual sitting in this room today, especially the man holding this microphone. But I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. And if it had not been for Jesus reaching down and plucking me out of my air and my ways, if I had not been for the love of Christ, where would I be? Somebody lift your hands in this place and thank the Lord for loving you in spite of you, for saving you in spite of you, for not saying you deserve be judged, but I will be merciful. Somebody shout aloud, thank you, Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't have to deal with your stuff. I got plenty of my own to deal with. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you a lot longer than you want to be there. And it will cost you things That you could never repay. But thanks be to God. I'm an overcomer. By the blood of the Lamb. Who paid the price. For what I could not pay. And he gave me a testimony. So I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of my testimony. And your testimony was not given for you. Don't be selfish with what God. Church, in the 21st century, in the craze of 2020, don't be selfish with the miraculous things that God has done for you. You may be the only Jesus that the world around you may see. So don't be stingy with your testimony. Don't take credit for your testimony. For God and God alone has been merciful and has saved you and blessed you. And he's provided for you. And he's put promise on your life that you could not earn. And he's removed things that you could not remove. Sin is no match for your God. I don't care what you walked in here today with. It does not matter. I'm not diminishing your pain. I'm not diminishing your diagnosis. I am certainly not scoffing at the weight or the sin that has beset you. But it's no match for my God. I am not surprised, Pastor, any longer with the supernatural ways of the Lord. I used to just go, wow. Now I go, yep, 
Now I look at it and say, it's almost like that was spoken in his word. It's almost like the one who was the same yesterday, today, and forevermore knew that was already going to take place. That it was already ordained. It had already been spoken into existence by a creative word. That once he speaks it, worlds are created. Stars are aligned. Things just have to happen. So if he has spoken it in his word and he's spoken it into your life, do you realize it's already happened? Why are we surprised in the apostolic church when God does what he says he would do? When God provides for you, when he heals your finances and heals your family and makes a way where there seems to be no way. Why are we in awe of God's greatness? For he alone is worthy of the praise. And if he is really God and king of all kings and Lord of every Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, the author and the of my, you have the faith, but you won't finish it. You might have walked in here today with just a little bit of faith. You may have had hanging chads on your faith. You may have had strings attached to your faith. Do you realize that's enough? Do I need to bring up the mustard seed? Faith, 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 just a. Why don't we need big faith? Because we have a big God. And if I could just grab a hold of this garment and let his virtue flow into my life, he will finish what I started to believe. But if we don't deal with our stuff, our faith gets infected and confused and voices begin to fill us up so that it's so loud in this world, so noisy in our minds, we don't hear the still small voice of the Lord saying, I spoke it to be true. Why are you doubting me? Why are you afraid? Fear, false evidence appearing real. Sin tries to isolate us from God. It is the goal of the confusion of the 21st century. I believe this with everything in me. To separate our ears and our eyes from the voice of the Lord. To confuse us and fill us so that the cup is so distorted and full of junk and stuff that we don't even know it's in there corrupting and filling us up. And God said, there's no room for me to speak in your life because there's sin and there's fear and there's doubt and there's confusion. There are spirits, subtle spirits, that have crept their way into your home and into your hearts. And we've allowed them and not even known because the enemy will not face you head on because he can't win that battle. But if he can sneak in through confusion or doubt or noise or whisperings, then it allows our sin to separate us from God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Hear me right now. To somebody who's been praying a long time, and your prayer has not been seemingly heard, He's heard every prayer. He's felt every tear. He's heard every cry. He's seen every restless night. 
he, has, he, has, he has been there and seen you driving on your commute to work, shuddered with tears and emotion, wondering how you're going to get through this day. He has felt every one of those tears, those pains, those afflictions. He knows the pain in your body, your soul. He knows the confusion of your mind. Every prayer has been heard, and not one has been wasted. Not one prayer you've ever prayed has ever fallen short of the ears of the Lord. For thou art with me. God will never leave you nor forsake you. But have you ever lost God? I've lost God. He never lost me, but I've lost God. Have you ever looked around, searched, but you couldn't feel God? Perhaps somebody in this place right now, you got dressed up, you made it to church this Sunday morning. Maybe that was a victory in itself, just to drive into the parking lot today. Just to get here. Just to go through all the mess you had to go through in your mind and, and traffic and, and, and a shower. And to shave. And you say, was it worth it getting out of here to hear this crazy white man sweating all over the place, yelling this microphone? Sorry, I come from a very diverse place. Ashton just laughed at me out loud. Because I am whiter than white and white. And my kids say, don't you say that, Dad. Don't do it. I said, but I, I, I pray the Lord lets me have a little soul on the inside. I need a little bit more. Moving on. So everybody say amen to that. Sometimes life can get complicated, y'all. Sometimes we look around, even in the midst of an apostolic prayer meeting. Even in the midst of a worship service where God is moving greatly around us. And we say, God, where are you? The person three seats down from me is getting the greatest blessing and new and fresh anointing they've ever received. And yet, I don't feel anything. And I'm trying, God, and I'm crying out to you. It reminds me of the story of Job. We were talking about that last night. The surreal circumstance that Job was in. Job had experienced a great life. He was a blessed man. He was a worshiper. And then one day without warning, bam! Nightmare just hit his life. Anybody ever felt like Job? Where like the water heater goes out. And before you get that fixed, the car breaks down. And then your teenage child wrecks a car. Job was in a surreal circumstance where he had been very blessed and everything seemed to be just, just blessed and highly favored. And then everything turned to being highly flavored. And he was like, God, what is going on here? And before the, the Bible tells us he could fix one major problem, the servant of Job came and reported to him another problem and another problem and another problem. And he said, God, where are you? Yea, through the valley he walked, seemingly all alone. God seemed to be missing in action. And you can deal with it for a while by your own hands, by your own strength. You can put it on your own shoulders for a time. But then it came to a place in Job's life, and I think we've all been there at times and seasons in our life, where Job yells out, oh, that I might know where I could find you, Lord. Have you abandoned me, Lord? Have you left me, Lord? Where are you in my time of need? Where are you in this season of complexity and confusion? If we were all honest today, we've experienced this in varying degrees. Where stuff is happening in your life and you have no idea why. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
things are coming from places you didn't even know existed in your life. One day you go to bed with peace that passeth all understanding. And the next day all hell breaks loose. And you can't find God with the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the Parent-Teacher Association, the Board of Works. It doesn't matter. The city council. You can't find God anywhere. You come and ask your pastor. You come and get a prayer partner. And God just seems to have abandoned you in your time, in your season. And you keep going through the paces. And you say, oh, where is God in Job 23, 8? It says, behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he does work, I cannot behold him. He hideth himself, perhaps, on my right hand that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. He knows where I'm at. But God, if you know where I'm at, where are you? Where are you right now? He said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. He said that. It must be true. And I have discovered in my own life that if I can't find God, it's for one of two reasons. One, God has a reason for the valley I'm walking through. Because I know God has to get our attention one way or another. And sometimes it's a still small voice. Sometimes it's an absent voice, which is a lot, lot louder. The second reason is perhaps you have distanced yourself from God. It may seem that God is so far away, but he's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He promised he would always be there. So if you can't find God... Why can't we find our way back to the place where we walked away from God? Nothing would separate him from me. Nothing can come between his love for me. But have I allowed anything to come between my love for him? If there's a distance or a separation between me and God, it's not Because God has left me. It's perhaps because I have stepped away. Or I have drawn my attention in another direction. That I have filled my ears with things that are not his voice. That I have tuned to another frequency. That I have changed to the news channel or a social media outlet. And I am am perceiving my wisdom from those sources instead of the ultimate source of wisdom. Doesn't he know that I'm traveling through tragedy? God, there are times when I have trouble finding God, touching God, hearing his voice. But the Bible tells me in our text today that I have two loyal agents, two guardians of the grace of God in my life that are with me. When I got up this morning, they were with me. When I prayed today, before I got in your car, they were with me. They left and they were with us in the vehicle. They came into this church house with me today. They have always been right there behind me, guarding the grace of God in my life, propelling me forward, even when I didn't know they were there. And when I look around and say, have you left me? God, where are you? The word of God says, there are two guardians of grace in your life because goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I then can dwell in his house somebody thank God for his goodness and his mercy they are very tall they are very capable they are very powerful Do you realize how large and in charge the goodness and mercy of God are in your life? 
I'm not into ooga booga. We just came out of the Halloween season. God forbid we talk about ghost stories. But I do believe in apostolic authority and supernatural power. And God said in his word that goodness and mercy would follow me and follow you. But pastor, before that, he said, surely, surely, that's a unique word. That's a unique little on-ramp. He said, I'm going to help you unpack this a little bit. Surely, David was revealed to the light and word of God. How could he say surely when he's running from Absalom? How could he, he's leaving Fleeting, running away, trying to survive. Anybody survived this year? How could he say, surely? Because when the beasts attacked, God gave him power. When the giants stood before him, God gave him authority. When his ways were not enough, God was there. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through the green pastures, beside the still waters, even in the shadow of death, David said, if you brought me through all of that, if you've never failed me and you've never left me to this place, has God ever failed you? I'm I'm asking you to be truthful today. Especially in the house of the Lord. we got to be truth tellers on Sunday at least, right? Has God ever failed you? Has God ever left you? Has God ever forsaken you? And David looked at his life and as David is receiving the word of God. And it's inspired by his hand. And it is autographed by his own hand through David's physical being. But it is certainly the word of God. He said, surely, promised, most definitely, confidently, Goodness and mercy will follow me no matter where I'm fleeting, no matter where I'm running, no matter what I'm dealing with, even in the shadow of my own death, in the darkness of this world, when I see no light, surely the goodness of God that has not failed me, and surely the mercy of God that's forgiven me will be with me. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. It's the dark days as well as the bright days, the days of fasting as well as the days of feasting. Goodness supplies your needs and mercy emaciates the sin. Exodus 33 and 19, when Moses cries out to the Lord, show me your glory. And God says, my goodness will pass before you. Then my name will be proclaimed, my grace revealed, and then my mercy will be shown. Because goodness is the manifestation of God's very character. His presence working in your life. He's a present help. How many know God is an on-time God? He's never showed up late. He has never missed an appointment. He shows up right on time with the right hand, with the right blessing, with the right word. Because he's a present help in time of need. He is the beginning of revelation and he is the confirming of my faith. He has never let me down. He has never fallen short. And in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. 
And if you study Hebrews 6, many theologians see that the goodness of God we see in the Old Testament, described by even our only, our, our friend David, it is the root of the good news of God, or as we know it in the New Testament, the revealed New Testament for the church, the gospel, the good news for this world. That is Jesus died for my sins, and he was buried for the remission of those sins. And then on the third day, he resurrected for the goodness of God's character. It did not change from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but it exploded in the revelation of his spirit that as the gospel is revealed to this church in the 21st century, we stand on the shoulders of the God that David and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Elijah and Moses stood upon, but we stand in the gospel salvation that I can repent of my sin and be baptized and those sins are buried under the blood in the name of Jesus. And then my cup can run over with resurrection power. Oh, that we might comprehend the very goodness of the God we serve. And where would we be without the mercies of God? Mercy is when you, you don't get what you deserve. That's a simplistic definition of mercy. When we don't get what we've earned. When we don't pay the price that we should pay. When we no longer have to carry an affliction we did not ask for. When we no longer have to carry the weight and sin that beset us. And we have not the strength in our own shoulders to lift it up and lay it down on this altar. That is mercy when he says, surely I will be there. My goodness and mercy have always been with you. The reason mercy is paired with goodness is because mercy is there to let you know, I know you don't deserve it, my child, but just believe it and receive it by the blood of the Lamb and through the word of your testimony that may begin by your own words, but they will be affirmed by a heavenly word, by a language not of this earth, because this promised word is not of you or your flesh. The faith begins in your earthly mind, but then it expands that he is the finisher of my faith in a heavenly way, in a heavenly language, in a heavenly place. Not my way, but his way. Because his ways are so far above my ways, I cannot even comprehend his ways. Justice demanded death and despair. But like the old song says, mercy said no. Mercy said no. Mercy says you don't receive goodness because you're good. You receive goodness because you serve a good God. Because you believe in a good God. How many know if it had not been for the mercies of a good Lord, where would I be? What ditch would I be living in? What divorce would I be reckoning? What sickness would I still be carrying? What bitterness would have been rooted up out of my life so ugly that it would have killed and crushed me. Mercy brought me through it. Mercy brought some of you through a tough childhood. Mercy kept some of you alive in that accident. Mercy was there behind you through that trauma that maybe was self-inflicted. 
Mercy was still there when you made a, a terrible decision and as a prodigal, you felt the love of God. It was still true. In a dark place in the shadow of death, mercy was right there behind you. Walking with you. Even when you walked away from God, He still walked with you. He was still there. He never left you, never forsook you. Mercy brought you out of that relationship. Mercy protected you. Mercy closed the door of opportunity that you saw would be a miraculous blessing, but would have been, no doubt, a miraculous curse and a distraction from your pathway toward God. Mercy plucked us out of the hands of hell. You don't accomplish anything today. Can we put our hands together and shout aloud? Thank God for His goodness and His mercy. Come on, somebody. Don't give me patty cake praise. If you've ever given God a standing ovation. somebody right now. Let a praise well up in you. Remember how good God's been. You may be seated. I'm almost finished. Don't ever be convinced by the liars in this world or the liar under this world that you are all alone in this fight or in this season. The enemy wants to believe you to believe that you're all alone. But let the record show he's a liar. He wouldn't know the truth if it hit him. Satan, the great slanderer, is pervasive in 2020. But can we introduce the city of Cincinnati to a great Savior who cannot lie, who cannot fail? Who could not fall short if he tried. Because it's in his nature to be victorious. And what the enemy meant for evil, he has already designed and seen to be for good. Come on, shout aloud. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 4. I always was curious about this, this scene. When the devil takes Jesus, who was 100% man and 100% God. I studied a little math for a long time. I don't know how that works. Good thing his ways are not my ways. Glad he's not dependent on my mind to figure this out. I'm glad I didn't design this promise or purpose or path. That's why any time I design my own path, it doesn't work. But any time I get on his path, 100 plus 100 equals 100, it works. Matthew chapter 4. The devil escorts Jesus up onto the plateau, the mountain. 
And he says, look out. And he's tempting the man. And the Bible tells us that he was in fact tempted so that we know, not just by his shed blood, but by his temptation, he was in fact man. And he is demonstrating that he can relate to us in relationship. He takes Jesus up to the plateau and he says, look around. And all the worlds that you can see, all the kingdoms of this world, I will give them to you if you will what? Bow down and worship me. Don't underestimate the power and the covetedness of your worship. It inhabits the praises. <laughs> he inhabits the praises of his people. He is welcomed by your worship. And the worship leader who was kicked out of heaven covets your worship. And worship is not just a patty cake and a song. All life is worship. Every decision, the way you live, the way you act, the way you speak is worship. As a dog comes to his master. The devil says, I will give you all this that you can see. Think in the mind of God, Jesus Christ, who was 100% God and 100% man. He was the Son of God and yet the embodiment, the incarnate Christ. Think of him hearing the words from the enemy, trying to give him something that he did not own. How many times has the enemy tried to tell you, take you to a high place perhaps, when you were in a low or dark place, tried to tempt you out of the wrong path out of that valley by showing you a high place that you would look at and perceive the things of this world and he promised you something he cannot promise because he's a liar. It could be right now in this season that the enemy is trying to convince you that he will give you things that are not his to give. And are you believing him? Or are we looking at the example of Jesus in Matthew 4? When Jesus goes to that mountaintop, and Pastor Joel, his, his response has perplexed me for years. What's Jesus say to the enemy? Get thee behind me, Satan. Why didn't he get out Thor's hammer and just... We were laughing about the Avengers with another pastor last night. Does anybody know when Loki walks in, spouting off his little mouth like the enemy does, and the Hulk grabs him and says, Puny God. Why didn't Jesus do that? Is all power in his hand? Is it? Is it? Why didn't he elevate like Yoda and zap him with the force? Why didn't he just evaporate his tail? He kicked him out of heaven. He fell and dented his head on earth. He said, let's finish the job. You're gone. You're, 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 you, don't long, you no longer exist. Why did Jesus, who had everything in his hand to destroy the enemy in that very moment, why did he not destroy or evaporate his tail? Why did he just relocate him? Because it occurred to me one day that Jesus came to this earth 
to show us in the 21st century church how we deal with the enemy. He did not need to come down to earth except for to save us and teach us how to act when darkness and lies and deceit come before us. His whole being on this earth was for us, for our salvation, to go to heaven, and to our pathway to prepare to go to heaven. So when he said, get thee behind me, Satan, he was telling us in the church today, I want you to go behind me. Because there is somebody back there I want to introduce you to that is more powerful than anything you can offer. It is my goodness and it is my mercy who has already dealt with everything you can ever offer my people. Stand to your feet today. Do you realize that the enemy is speaking, tempting, throwing things at you that he cannot do. And Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith, is trying to put this word in your heart this morning that you don't have to deal with the enemy. It's already been dealt with. But you have to speak to that You have to look at that sin and be honest about it. You have to speak to the voices to close the mouth of the lion. As the musicians begin to play. So often, we pray, God, give me a blessing. Give me a touch. Give me new and fresh anointing. Let my cup run over. But Psalms chapter 23 reveals to us That after we realize that goodness and mercy are behind us, dealing with those things. When I look out upon this audience, I know a few of you. I know some of your story. Can I pick on you, Ashton? I'm not going to embarrass you too bad, I promise. I love you. You know one of the reasons I respect this woman of God so highly? Because of where God brought her from. She had every excuse, Ty, to not be this elegant, spirit-led woman of God. Every excuse. But she said, get thee behind me, Satan. And when I look out, when I look out upon your faces, I don't know your stories, but I could probably interview every one of you, and every one of you could talk about pain and regret and God knows if we're all honest every one of us carried sin in here when I see through the eyes of the flesh I might see pain and regret and sin because that's what flesh sees because that's what flesh is but when I look at you through the eyes of the spirit and I look behind you right now I don't see yesterday I don't see regret God does not see what plagues you because there's something bigger between you and your yesterday. Goodness and mercy are behind every one of you right now. And they are so much bigger than what is behind you.
God put two eyes in the front of your face because he designed you to walk forward toward his grace and his mercy. The grace of God allowed those agents to deal with your yesterday so that you could look forward into the promise of God. So when the word says, he prepares a table before me, I can't receive what's before me if I am looking behind me. But what is behind you has already been taken care of. Walk in the favor and promise of God. Even in the presence of the enemy that is about you and in this world, he prepared a table so that your cup could run over by a renewal of his spirit. So right now with every hand lifted in this place, I want you to not look behind you. Lay down every regret. Lay down every weight in sin. If you feel comfortable, I want you to take a step of faith out into this altar right now and let God be God in your life today. Lord, let your spirit renew and restore. Let your virtue heal in this place. Come on, people. It's time to stop feeling guilty and stop feeling, start feeling after God. Get thee behind me. Get thee behind me. Get thee behind me. Come on, taste and see that the Lord, He is good and His mercy. Come on, every hand raised, every heart lifted. Let your voice speak in this place as His voice speaks. Jesus, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not alone. He's right there with you. Jesus. What the enemy meant for evil, God is making it good. Somebody's hungry. Somebody's thirsty. The table is prepared. My cup runneth over.
every hand raised, every voice lifted, make this your prayer. Yes. Hallelujah. Let him wrap his arms around you. Let him heal you. Remove the confusion of the heart and mind. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. My victory. Come on, somebody. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Walk in your, your peace. That passeth all understanding. I feel the spirit of the Lord moving your in this place. Somebody shout the victory. Yes. Your spirit. 